On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. I am your host, Corey O'Flanagan, and this podcast is proudly a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. We know you're out there, and you're listening, and we really appreciate it. Feel free to tell a friend, leave a review, and just keep on checking us out. We are coming every Wednesday with new episodes. On the show today, we pivot. As a legend has recently passed away, Eddie Van Halen died on October 6th at the age of 65. We here at Song Facts wanted to pay homage to this legendary Axeman, so we're sneaking in this episode and talking to one of the biggest fans of the band, and man, we got a good one. Eric Senich has loved Van Halen ever since a fateful Christmas Eve in the late 80s when his older brother let him listen to his tape of 5150 and he just kept flipping it back and forth. He could not get enough. Eric has his own podcast called Discovery, D-I-S-C, Covery, and it is always great to talk with a super fan and feed off of their enthusiasm, so we bring you Eric Senich. Talk to me a little bit about the the Van Halen news desk and just kind of let me know and then the audience kind of know what that is exactly because I haven't I hadn't heard of it until Carl said something so just I'm curious to learn a little bit more. Yeah, the Van Halen news desk is it's a it's a continuation of what was called the Inside Magazine which was the official magazine of Van Halen back in the 90s from 95 to 2000 and it was run by and the website is run by Jeff Hausman, and he is the publisher, uh, the owner, the editor. He uh, he also runs the Van Halen store, which is vanhalenstore.com, and he sells all of their merchandising there. And Jeff, I I started working with him, I guess maybe three years ago. And I asked him, I said, "You're the one who did the inside, yeah? Oh yeah, I did that." I said, "Dude, man, that was like Christmas morning every three months. It was a uh, you know, it came out every." three or four months. And I said, it was like Christmas morning when that thing came. He's like, Oh, that's cool. And, uh, but so they, the job of the Van Halen news desk is just as it sounds to keep everybody up to date on, on what's happening with Van Halen. But, but also, you know, over these last few years, it's become something where, where Jeff wants it to also be more of a feature story type of thing. Uh, uh, you know, not just doesn't have to be just newsworthy stuff yeah. that's happening now. It's just if you got, you know, something that you want to write about a top 10 or whatever it may be. So that's what it is. And I was working in radio at the time when I started writing for the Van Halen News Desk. And this is when radio stations started to, to have the DJs do blogs. And so I wrote a weekly blog and I did one on David Lee Roth. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, on his. You know, ten. I think it was on his greatest lyrics, and uh, and so there's a website VH Links. You know about VH Links? I don't know. Okay, so VH Links is a, a fan community site, 
And so I used to post them there. So Jeff reached out to me and said, do you want to write for the Van Halen news desk? And I was like, well, let me think about it. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a that huge fast. fan. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. You know, I went and listened to um, kind of what I think was a impromptu episode right after Eddie's passing. When you dropped this, was it, was it, did you just kind of, this happened, you got flooded with some emotions, and did you just get this urge to jump in front of the mic and release that episode? Yeah, um, I did a proper one for, in conjunction with the Van Halen News Desk, which is up now. So, you know, I encourage people to check that out because I did get a lot of comments from authors and, and, and Jeff himself, which was great. Uh, but yeah, that day, and I, and I have a nine to five. And so, yeah, man, I, I, you know, we can get into how I became a fan, but yeah, I'm just a huge fan. And so I was at my nine to five and my boss, she's really cool. She, she, but she is fairly new. So she didn't know I was a huge fan. And she was funny. She was on the phone with somebody and she just blurted it out. She's Eric, Van Hale, Eddie Van Halen died. And the look on my face was like, what? And she later apologized. She said, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were such a big fan. I go, no, it's cool. It's cool. You know, she let me out early. She oh, says, just go you, home. It, that's how you got the news. Yes. So she was like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, you don't have to be sorry. I said, you know, it, it's cool. But I was devastated and I was in shock. And I, so I left, I left work a little early and I, actually called the local station that I used to work at and, and, and uh, my friend who was on the air doing drive time. So I called in and, and gave my thoughts to him and, and, and the, the texts were coming in and the emails were coming in. It was just like overwhelming. And I, then I came, when I came home, I popped on my uh, YouTube. Uh, the algorithm took me to a video by Rick Beato, who have you seen his videos? Nope. Okay. Rick Beato is great. He is a musician, uh, among many other things. And, and he does a series of videos where he breaks down songs, uh, you know, in, in musically, which I'm clueless at, you know, I, I can tell you all as much as I can about the trivia behind songs, but musically, no, this guy is just brilliant with what he does. Does he, does he go into the theory and that kind of stuff? Yeah. He's a musician himself. So he can break down just, you know, the keys in which things are recorded in and the, yep time signatures and et cetera, et cetera. And it's just great. And so we've run a few of his uh, videos on Van Halen News Desk. And he did an impromptu, you know, just very emotional. And he literally just turned the camera on and you can just see him. He's like pale. And he, he just had this emotional uh, video that he put up. And I said, you know, I should do the same. And so I just, that's it, man. I came in here, I turned the microphone on and I'm very, very production. Uh, production centric, I guess I could call it to make up a word. I, I, everything I'm so into the each little detail. I love producing things, so I'm not one to do raw recordings. So, yeah, but I felt like this was the time to do it. And then I just, I just talked. And if you, li if you listen to that, I, I, I open up about some personal stuff with my dad. And yeah, it was uh, really, I, I, that's one thing that I thought. I really gravitated towards was just your raw honesty of how you were feeling in that moment, like so fresh off of this big news in your life. Yeah. Yeah. It just made me think of my dad and what Wolfgang's going through, yeah. you know, cause this is a human being. So this is not, you know, this is, you know, Eddie to, to me and millions of fans who've never met him. He's the rock God. Mm -hmm. So it affects us that way. But 
this is a human being. And so this is somebody who has been really struggling for a while because he was diagnosed with the cancer in 2000. But I could have sworn it was 2002 when it was made public only because I was on, I was on the air in the studio. In those days, it was faxes. And the fax came through and said he had uh, tongue cancer. And so you're talking 18 years of the fans knowing. And then, you know, he went through his phases, the rough phases there. And and then it was around, almost around exactly that time when my dad, you know, hit hit a rough patch and he, you know, his health started to decline. And so, I, I don't know, it's just that popped into my head. And so, yeah, it was it was a very emotional thing. And, but I did, like I said in there, I wanted to do a proper one, something that was very produced and, yeah. and, and do Eddie right, you know? So that that's up there but so now I appreciate you've had a little bit more and what's, well, go ahead, go ahead. I, was, I was just gonna say what's crazy is how many people heard that thing because it, it had no promotion it didn't go up anywhere on the news desk. i just posted it on my facebook feed and i looked the next day and you know, at least for my podcast it had quite i mean god it's like 1500 listens and in like less than 12 hours and i was like where where are these people finding it you know right I but because I, I just wanted to do it for the people that listen to, to to me regularly and i wanted them to to get my thoughts and that's the amazing thing about podcasts man it just people find it you know well they do and i mean especially when you have something that's that big and that that's something that news you know shook the music world and it still kind of is there's still the ripple effects of it and that kind of gets me thinking someone like you who gets the news has this emotional um reaction to it you've had some more time to reflect now and just overall what do you think and maybe you went into this on your little bit more detailed one but what do you think eddie's legacy to music is well oh boy where to start that's a big one right you know innovator is the word yeah and musician is the second word and so he's, he wasn't just a guitarist and he wasn't just a, a guitarist who could play a lot of notes and play fast. He, he was a genius and what he did for the guitar, I don't think will ever be done again. You know, I always say Hendrix opened the door mm-hmm. and then, and then Eddie, you know, comes right after it. So I always say, objectively speaking, you know, Hendrix, I have to say, would be the greatest rock and roll guitarist of all time, just because without him, where would the electric guitar be? Yeah. But what Eddie did, you know, all just came from his own desire and obsession with detail, obsession with the guitar, literally just taking it apart, putting it back together, doing things that nobody would think of doing. And watching Jimmy Page, you know, he would go to see Zeppelin in concert as a kid or a teenager, and he witnessed Jimmy Page just doing some of the finger tapping on on the fret, and he just thinks, hmm, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm going to try that out and go home and see what I could do with it. And what did he do with it? I think we know. Yep. Um, but, you know, beyond the guitar wizardry is a musician. And think about a classically trained pianist, right? Classically trained pianist. And he, in, in the midst of the height of the electric guitar era, mid eighties, 
Now you got all these guitarists out influenced by Eddie. What does he do? Yeah. Well, he could continue just to, to just to stick to the guitar, but he is a musician. He discovers the keyboards early eighties. He, he wants to write music and it doesn't matter what he's going to write it on, you know? So what instrument doesn't matter to him? He loved playing guitar, but he discovered the keyboards. And so he's now writing a song like jump. Yeah. And why can't this be love? And He took his hit for it, of course. He, that's the other thing is he just never fully grasped or accepted this guitar god label. He was a musician, you know. He he wanted to make music, and he fought for it, fought for it. And so, um, I guess his legacy is, you know, following his heart, doing what he felt was best for a song. You know, uh, Jump, he had to fight for that song. I mean, he pretty much locked David Lee Roth and producer Ted Templeman out of 5150 Studios, created 5150 Studios just so he could have some time to do the things he wanted to do because he had yeah. to sneak into the studio in the middle of the night when he was recording Fair Warning. And uh, Diver Down drew him nuts. He had that dancing in the street was, was that opening to dancing in the street was intended for a whole different song, but they said, no, we got to do a cover drove yeah. him insane. But I, I, you know, diver down is a great album. Uh, you know, and it does, it does get some love from, from people who, who just, they say they've connected with that album. And sometimes it's the first that they listen to. And, uh, you know, but I can see, I can understand his aspect. It's like, he just wants to write original music and, yeah. um, boy, you know, it, it's the, the feeling that he, he would, the feeling that I got whenever I heard him play the guitar or even the keyboards, you know, it's just something special, something different than anything else that I can, that I, that, that I've ever experienced. And that was Christmas Eve of 1988. I've told the story a million times, but yeah. Christmas Eve, 1988, you know, I see the 5150 cassette in my brother's room and I just popped it in just because all my friends at school kept talking about it, kept talking about it. And, uh, when, when it's love was a big hit that summer and yeah. I knew exactly who they were. I, I knew Jump. When I listened to that, I was like, wow, man, this is, I'm feeling something really special. Then I, so I just took the cassette out, flipped it over, boom, played it again. Right back. Right through. And that was it. I was, then I was a fan of rock and roll music from that point on. Now, had you done that, that with another band? Had you had a situation where you had put it in and went front to back and were like, 
I'm going to start that over and I'm just going to put this on rotation. I can't think of any. I mean, my first first album I bought was The Police Synchronicity, and I, I got all of their albums, and I love The Police. But I didn't have that. Um, didn't grab you the same way. You, you no. Know, um, but what happened was that, that, uh, that feeling I would get with several songs to this day, I still do. So that feeling that I got from 5150, I chased the rest of my life to this day, and I'll still get it. You know, you'll pop in a song or you hear something new, and you're really moved by it. And some people might be surprised too. I mean, I, I think of a band like Lord Huron is probably the last band that, that gave me a, a reaction like that. I discovered them yeah. by watching a movie that Robert Redford and Nick Nolte did where they're out traveling in the, in the hiking kip or, uh, trip or something. And uh, <laughs> there's this beautiful music in the background that really moved me. And I said, who the hell is this? Wait for the credits to roll. And it's Lord Huron. And that, that was the most recent time where I was like, yeah, wow. But I, you know, I, I definitely get it with a lot of musicians, just not to that extent, you know. It is interesting when something can grab you like that. And for me, a lot of the times it's with bluesier music or like the head and the heart was the last time that I remember that their album came out in I think 2012 or something like that. And it's, it was one of these songs that um, came on and I just remember pulling over because I had to just listen to it. I didn't want to focus on driving or anything like that. And I was just floored. And it's really crazy how music can have that hit you like that. And that's one of those things that if you are really someone who's passionate and affected by it, it doesn't matter what the music is, let it like take its hold. So I'm really happy that I'm getting a chance to talk to you because your passion for this Van Halen, these guys that are catalog, everything about them, it radiates and it gets me excited about it. But I'm curious now, when you discovered them late 80s, they'd been around for a while. Did you immediately say, I got to go back and I got to dig into this catalog? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, I, and the, the, the big part of my love of music, I have to give credit to my brothers, my older brothers, Chad, my oldest brother, Marty. So my brother, Chad, is the one who had the Sammy era stuff. And then my older brother, Marty, said, well, if you like this, you got to listen to this. And we had a vinyl record player in our living room and he pulls out Van Halen one. Oh, really? And drops the needle. You know that opening to eruption, right? Yeah. Like, whoa, yep. whoa. And then, and then I'm like, who is this? Who's this cool dude on the back doing the backflip thing? David Lee Roth. Mm -hmm. So then I went on the whole Roth run. So and then <laughs> and then you know what what? So I had to go back, and I I had a weekend job just cleaning up a a local restaurant. Uh, bar restaurant that my dad's friend owned and so i go there for probably 25 bucks a week and i spent it all on cassettes and so i <laughs> and so i would uh it started of course with van halen and it would ha i'd had to get everyone i'd had to get one through at the time ou812 and i had to get dave stuff i had to get uh 
everything from uh, crazy from the heat to skyscraper. And then it, then it was Tom <laughs> Petty and then it was ACDC and then it was, but yeah, that was it for Van Halen. It was, uh, you know, it, I had a lot of vinyl and cassettes there. So I wanted, I wanted to go back and, and complete the whole thing. And, uh, yeah, um, it was a great time discovering a, a band you love is, is an envious thing because, you know, once you get through it, you wish you could go through it again. And then you see some kid who's experiencing the, uh, you know, the love of a band. You're like, Oh, he's going, he's going to have some fun. Yep. You know, hearing, a, hearing one of those songs for the first time. That's great. Yeah, no, it, I, I completely agree with that. And, you know, going back and f- hearing it where you heard it and then going back to, you know, Van Halen 1 and 2, 78 and 79, I think, were those release years. Yep. That could have just been a double album. And think of just like when I went back over the last week and I just was kind of going through the catalog myself, which I probably hadn't done since, I don't know, in probably 20 years. I was just, I was like, there are so many hits. Half the songs on these on these first two albums are hits. And then 84 is kind of the same way. And just this output and think of how hard it is. So many bands, you know, you work as a band so hard to put out this first album. And that's why there's usually a lot of really good songs on there. And that sophomore album so hard. And they just they just kept pouring them out. And what I discovered, because I put this in, I was searching for this day, because I was like, so many of these have something to them. And I think it's BPM. I think it's beats per minute. Because they're all in this like 115 to like 130 BPM range. I mean, they, yes. they, they they go all over the place, but there's so many of their songs that fall in there. And I was like, that's what they found this sweet spot. And they were like, we can just kill it from here. And, you know, you give credit to that on would be David Lee. Yeah, that's a big thing he would talk about. Beats per minute, beats per minute, because he was a dance fan. He loved the dance music. Yep. And he was listening to all that stuff. He was he wanted to incorporate that into their music. He wanted to be well back in the club days. Their job was to get people out on the floor. And so they're playing Get Down Tonight, Casey and the Sunshine Band. <laughs> and they always would laugh about I how, you know, no matter how much we tried to sound like the original, we always sounded like us. But Beats Per Minute was a big thing. That That's, that's you talk about uh, ZZ Top's Eliminator is a, is a big one there. They brought in a guy who went out to the clubs and tried to figure out how, how what songs get most people out on the dance floor. 120 beats per minute. 120 really? beats per minute. So then you get that. So you get that and jump. And that was, that is a big thing for Dave. Big thing. Yeah. That's interesting that you bring that up. You're so right, man. That's the stuff that gets your, your heart racing. You know, it's hard. It was hard as you're, as I'm listening to Eddie's music and his, after his passing, somebody said to me in in a Facebook message, uh, one of the listeners of the discovery podcast said, you know, I kind of feel bad because I've been smiling, listening to his music and I shouldn't. I said, dude, don't feel bad, man. That's what that music is. Yeah. You know, it's not you're not you're not meant to to uh, to to shed a tear. I mean, Eddie's written a few of those songs like that. You know, I use I use this instrumental called New World from Van Halen uh-huh. three to end to end my tribute. And that's a very, you know, sad type of song. But no, that that music is intended to put a smile on your face. So that's what Eddie would want. Stay tuned for more Song Facts podcast right after this. So here's a quick question for you. Are you registered to vote? Well, Headcount is a nonpartisan organization that works with the music and entertainment industry to get fans to vote. To update or check your voter registration status, go to headcount.org 
where you'll find all the information you need to be ready for election day. It's coming up fast, so do it now. Register to vote at headcount.org. That's what I would think, too. I mean, if you've got a musician who's passed away and you want to think of like how to best honor them, listen to their music and, and let it make you feel however it's going to make you feel. Don't try and force anything out of it. Just let it be. That's, yeah, I think that's the best advice you could give them. So I am curious about this because you told me that as we were emailing and it was pretty fresh after learning about his passing that your favorite song is Hot for Teacher. I'm wondering, is it still that, and why? If so, and if even if not, why does that rise to the top for you as a fan? Yeah, is is it today? <laughs> Talk to me tomorrow. <laughs> it might be something else. I mean, it really is that hard. So yeah, it it is. I still would say yeah. I would have to go with that one only because that just that marked the the culmination of everything that they had worked towards. Plus, you've got you've got Alex's drumming intro so that's iconic four layers of kick drums right from what i was looking at mind-blowing yeah so you've got you've got alex at his best eddie uh the the boogie riff that was his big thing i love the the boogie you know i'm the one and oh god i'm trying to think of the other ones but that you know you know so they they get to incorporate uh that Oh my God, Eddie is so good on that. You know, when he opens, he just kicks it. As soon as you, after the drums, he kicks in with it, with his just amazing guitar work and the solo plural that are in there. And then you have Michael Anthony. He does contribute. He's, you know, his beautiful backing vocals. He's in there. I think it's, you know, I, what was it? I, th- I thought my my homework was never quite like this. That's where you hear him in there. Yeah, he's given the harmonies and he's laying it down with the groove on the bass. And oh yeah, there's a guy, uh, the singer of the band, David Lee Roth, and he's using his humor with those interludes, those little spoken interludes are yep. friggin' brilliant, and the lyrics are brilliant. And on top of that, and I guess the reason I, I put this above everything even though it's not technically part of the song, but the video. So now you got MTV era and this is Dave and his, all his, his glory and him and Pete Angelus produced this video. And it is, (laughs) you know, by the way, I I did, I did an interview. We'll get back to the song. Why it's so great. But I did an interview with this guy, Keith Kessinger. He's such a sweet guy. Nicest guy. He's on IMDB and Wikipedia and everywhere else as the actor who played Waldo. And it's a long, kind of a long story, but he, he, in, when he was 39 years old, he did a video called hot for Waldo. It's on YouTube for everybody to check it out. This dude, yeah. you know, he, he's killer. He, he nails it. He plays all the instruments. I was reading about this and it, it's a, for anyone who doesn't know, go watch the video. You can find it on YouTube for hot for teacher. And also Waldo is this young adolescent boy who is the main character in it. 
who but and by the way in the original video that's phil that's phil hartman's voice i read oh, about mom, that today you know, too yeah. <laughs> well you know you're, you're this is song facts you know this stuff but yeah. song facts plays a part in this whole story which is which is crazy so keith is is now everybody assumed that he was the same guy because he looks so much like him in the video and so i reach out to him and and i said hey i'd love to interview you for my podcast and uh you know just talk about your video half a teacher now he's thinking uh, i'm talking about the one he made when he's 39 sure absolutely so we talk and and i, I introduce him as the, the actor in the greatest video of all time not 1984's <laughs> half a teacher and there's a pause there he goes that, that's not me and i was like oh shit <laughs> You know, I'm thinking he's going to hang up on me. And he was like the nicest guy. And he had all these great stories. And he, he hung with Stevie Vai. And he played in the same band. He played with Seal and all this stuff. But uh, so he posted on Song Facts around that time. He, he just had some fun with it. And I think he posted something that said, hey, you know, the guy, the, the actor in this uh, who plays Waldo is this guy, Keith Kessinger. And he said, oh, and as we, he realized that as I, I'm interviewing him, he's like, oh, my God, that's right. I put that in there. Oh, and he was so such funny. a such a funny guy. <laughs> so we still don't know who Waldo is or what became of him after graduation. But we we still don't know who the actor is. And I sometimes I wonder if that actor is hopefully he's still with us. If he is, he's just playing along with the 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 whole uh, uh, the narrative of of his character, which is yeah. we don't know where the hell he is. I leaked into the song facts about that song earlier today. And I was see, going, Keith I think from, I uh, saw, I think I did see that because I was <laughs> like, there, there's some information out there about who that person is. And it's just kind of this mystery surrounding it, which I found to be really interesting. But one of the fun things going into like the fan comments about that song that I wouldn't think of, because you think of David Lee Roth, you think of Van Halen, the music video for that song. And you think of, it just seems like overtly masculine, right? But there was this great conversation between these women in the song facts section that were like, we had this like 26 year old gym teacher and he was so <laughs> hot. And it was just, I was just like, that's awesome. It just got everybody involved. And they were like, we changed the lyrics to hot for trainer and we just did it. Uh, and I was just I like, that's look fantastic. That. I, I don't know why I didn't see that there. Oh, it was so That's good. so funny. You know, because in those days, they did have majority of their fan base was male. And then until Sammy came, and then when Sammy came, you know, then they, the ballads come in and that now they're, you know, they're, they're in mainstream. They are huge. And yeah, well, that helps me kind of transition to my introduction into them because I'm, um, I was born in the early 80s. So I'm, I was introduced to them through their song right now in the early 90s. Kind of when music was starting to hit me and I was kind of finding my own thing out outside of what my parents had going. And then when I started to like dig into their past more as you did, I found that these were the same guys essentially with, you know, different frontman who wrote a song like Beautiful Girls.
And I got really stunned at just like their progression. I'm wondering, have you liked their musical progression? I loved it. I, I loved it. And it's because of my age. I'm 48. I was born in 72. So I, I became a fan during the Sammy era. So I had the connections. I had all these great moments. I had going through high school and the rough times there and having that, that music, that era of Van Halen getting me through it. Yep. And I saw no no problems with it. I can certainly understand if somebody was born in 1962 and they're a fan of the Dave era, they're like, what is this? I don't want to hear ballads. This is not Van Halen. I get it. Totally get it. Uh, and, and, and I'm going to try to avoid getting into that whole war. Like I said, in the, in the, in the proper tribute to Eddie, none of that matters anymore. Who's better Dave or Samuel? None of it matters. Okay. So having said that, uh, I was a fan of the same area. Oh man, that was, you know, they felt like they were your buddies. They all got along so great, but musically it allowed Eddie to be a complete artist. So he could write whatever he wanted to. And I, I, I am more than happy with what they came out with during that period. I, you know, I always wanted Dave to be back in the band because I never got to experience that era. So yeah. there's a, you know, there was that mythical aspect to it. Like, boy, what would it have been like to live through that time? But yeah, but right now, what a great way to be, uh, become a fan for you right now. That's a song that he wrote during, during the Dave days and Dave didn't want anything to do with it. And okay, I didn't know he, that. then when Dave was out, he was considering other people to join the band and then was considering an album with multiple singers. One of them being Joe Cocker. He envisioned Joe Cocker singing that song. Interesting. And he brought it to Sammy, that piano part, too. And, and Sammy wasn't feeling it until 91 when they were working on the album. Sammy was just chilling. They were taking a break. And I believe the album was done. And he was just playing pinball. And uh, Eddie was playing on the piano. And all of a sudden, he starts, you know, you know, and Sammy's like, oh, wow. And he was Sammy was going through his divorce. And so he uh, the lyrics, the, the main part of right now, there's no tomorrow. I think all that was coming to him and then he filled in the rest of the lyrics. Yeah. But that was again, Eddie being, you know, able, being able to be an artist. And like Martin Popoff said in his tribute to Eddie, think about, uh, it was pretty, pretty brave of, of Eddie to, uh, it's, it, it speaks to his courage. It also speaks to his, like I was just mentioning, he didn't have the ego. He didn't think I'm a rock uh, guitar God. I'm a musician. And so yeah. that's, where you get the, those songs. Yeah. 50 and 50, you know, the only thing is, you know, people say they wish they could go back and redo that album with a, a different drums. Cause in those days that was the electric drum set with a big thing. So, but still brilliant stuff there. I mean, dreams, why can't this be love? Love walks in, you know? Um, and then personally, Oh, you went too. And I think is my favorite Samira album. And I know that gets, that gets, that takes a lot of hits, but that is probably Eddie really stretching out. Finish what yeah. you started.
I mean, finish what you started is something so different than anything they had done before or since. Yeah, I mean, they just kind of endless musical range, right? And as soon as, like you said, as soon as Eddie kind of, as soon as Roth was out, and now Eddie's kind of just like, I don't really have to like clear this with anybody. He really just started to, I don't know, those synth sounds and everything else that he started doing in the later 80s and then into the 90s just really kind of changed the dynamic. They don't quite sound the same as Van Halen 1 or 2, but it's definitely the same band. And I think that's the kind of thing that if you're going to have a 30, 40 year career as a band, you have to do that. You can't just keep writing the same stuff or your, you know, your true fans are going to stick with you because they love it, but you're not going to keep expanding, which is what you have to do because now you're two, three generations later and you've got to keep on like bringing these people in and it's, they've done it. And it's been such a fascinating thing. Another thing that I saw today that I'm really curious if you know more about is his Eddie's always tinkering right so he would like get a new guitar disassemble it tweak some of the electronics tweak some other parts put on some of his own things that he might have laying around the house make it sound how he wanted it to sound I think he did the same thing with amps um, just always looking for his sound and I'm curious if you have any other just kind of real nerdy factoids that you want to share with us yeah uh there's one that I just heard about uh so what he did on Dirty Movies is fascinating, and it, it just speaks to what his brilliance is. So to get some help from the van halen news desk on this because jeff posted a, a great piece on all of the songs from that album okay but it, he recorded it on a gibson sg with a les paul jr neck eddie couldn't reach high enough up on the fretboard so he had ted templeman hold the guitar's lower horn while he sawed it off with a hacksaw right there in the <laughs> studio and that's just one of the many stories you know that's the kind of thing that eddie would do of course he could People could give him free guitars anytime he wanted, yeah, right? Yeah. Us, we'd be like, what are you doing? I just yeah. paid all that for that. You know? <laughs> but yeah, but that's, that's you know, think about the the Frankenstein or the Frankenstrat guitar. It's, it's you know, it's as it sounds, you know, pieced together. He, boy, tone was a big thing with him. And the brown sound is that big, you know, that's that's what he's known for, the brown sound. So tone was so big with him and he would tinker and tinker. You know, the stories of him just being holed up in his studio for days on end. You know, just it wasn't about, can I come up with a hit song? It wasn't about, is this riff people going to like it? It just it was it was so far beyond that, you know, to the point where I think he was a mad genius. Because if you look at the time between, you know, in the early 2000s, it was it was rough as a fan to see him. Uh, his he his teeth were he was missing some teeth and yeah nobody knew exactly what was going on there uh but he was going through a rough time and i think he was i think he may have just had a breakdown because there was the the debacle with with sammy being out in the mid 90s and then he 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 tried to get dave back that didn't happen in 96 and then in 98 van halen three which i think that you know people should 
go back and listen to that album, I admittedly, you know, kind of panned it when I first heard it, but I, I still couldn't help not listening to it again and again. And I still mm-hmm. do, but there are songs on there where he, that's, that is actually in Eddie Van Halen's solo album. If you listen to Van Halen three, that, that really is. And uh, so that failed. Gary's out, tried again with Dave, couldn't make it work. Then there's these stories that they're all going to therapists just to try to make it work. And then his mom passed. I think Eddie's mom passed in, uh, I want to say early 2000s. Then the cancer, you know, a lot was coming down on him. And his marriage with Valerie probably, you know, was was already on the outs. Because I, you know, by, I think by 05, I think it was pretty much official that it was over. Yeah. The dates I always forget, but, you know, when they got divorced and all that. But, you know, so he may have just really, you know, just, he just had a breakdown. And for him, you know, I think music was, you know, so he, he would be just holed up in that studio with his guitar doing who knows what, you know, I mean, whatever we, we, we may end up seeing, you know, cause Wolfgang and Alex are going to go through the vaults and see what became of that time. Yeah. But again, going back to mad genius, you know, um, and, and, you know, it was scary. We, we were all getting ready as fans, like, oh boy, this, this isn't good. You know, yeah. we may, we may hear the news anytime now. But miraculously, man, he he came back and he found a, a Janie Lazuski he got married to, and 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 Wolfgang saved his saved his life, you know that that really that's the reason whole reason he got back out on stage and and recorded again and to be able to go play with his son, right? Big, huge. In fact, he's the reason Wolfie's the Wolfgang's the reason that uh, D- Dave got back in the band. Do, do you know this story about no how this all went? <laughs> this so Wolfgang. <laughs> was this is 2007 so wolfgang's about 16 and eddie's just recently sober for the first time like in his adult life pretty much yeah so they're 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 jamming and wolfgang apparently just says hey dad you know what you know would be cool to have dave come down and jam with us and this just speaks to the mindset of, of wolfgang and eddie you know i mean for us it's like whoa holy shit wait a minute what you're gonna call dave yeah and he's like yeah eddie's like yeah give him a call (laughs) <laughs> and so Wolfgang literally calls up Dave, leaves a voicemail on Dave's machine, says, hi, Dave, this is Wolfgang. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm Eddie's son. We wondered if you'd like to come over and jam with us. And then hangs up. Ten minutes later, David Lee calls back and he's, he calls Eddie. He says, Eddie, it's Dave. I, get, I got a call from, from your son, Wolfgang. He says, you want, want me to come over and jam? And Eddie's response was, I don't know, man. Talk to him. <laughs> and then from there he was back yeah that was that was from uh uh a guy andrew bennett told that story he was um he was there throughout that period you can just imagine wolfgang and eddie having those talks with his dad because wolfgang is a it's just an out and out musician and he yeah. you know all the things he must talk about with him so for eddie to be on stage with him and wolfgang to be on stage his dad was you know that was special and that's what got him out. That's what got Eddie out of that whole jam because I don't know if he would have even still been with us, you know, for as long as he as he was. Yeah, you know, because because again, it's it, for Eddie. It's not about being a rock god. It's not about being, you know, hey, I'm in yeah. Van Halen or hey, I am Van Halen. Of course, that was his band. And he wanted he wanted you know he wanted to have some control because he was tired of relinquishing control. But again, this was more to him than that. He didn't give a damn about any of that stuff it was i'm up there with my son this means a lot to me you know all that all the awards and all that stuff he could have lived without it but he could not live 
without the fact the, the knowing that his son was was there with him you know yeah and i mean just what a cool way to have his last little over a decade of being a musician and being part of the band um to to be able to share that with his son who was at the time 16 or 17 and now has obviously developed into an amazing musician in his mid to late 20s and um who knows what kind of stuff like you said as a as a fan as big as you are going through the process of losing Eddie is one thing but then kind of the light at the end of that tunnel is we know they're going to go into that vault and who knows what kind of stuff is going to come out here in the next few years to just kind of keep on cementing him and what kind of stuff do we think is lost that's going to be found again and I mean I just think it was just a really nice kind of swan song for him and and why not have that be a big part of what people remember and and another thing is that you have a young guy like Wolfgang come in and that can expose that can grow the audience too to the next generation and I I just think that it's phenomenal how long they've been around I've really enjoyed the last seven to ten days going back and just revisiting this this catalog especially that early stuff and um and just like you said just being like what would it have been like like these guys hop onto the scene it is just disco and then all of a sudden these guys just come up with this sound that nobody had heard before and you've got eddie doing eruption a few years later he comes out and does they throw like a minute and 20 second acoustic spanish fly of him on an acoustic and i just like kept on being mesmerized by how far they were stretching and the different things that they were willing to try and tackle as a band and him specifically as a musician. And I, yeah. I w- I've just been so impressed. Yeah. You know, and it is still early, you know, Eddie just passed. So, you know, you're still, we're still in that, that period where you were just, you know, trying to accept that he's gone. And then also just feeling for uh, Wolfgang and Alex, by the way, mm-hmm. you know, that was his little bro, man. That was his, that was his little brother. Yeah. And they, Oh, thick and thin they went through. Well, I, I, I know that I am, and I think other people. Hopefully, the people that are listening are thankful just to like have some time to like hear someone like you who's so passionate about it, knows so much about them. That's the kind of thing that just like I love when that can come through on a podcast because I don't think that it does that often. So thank you for sharing your passion with us. The podcast that Eric does is Discovery. I'll get it right that time. And just thank you so much. Go listen to his stuff. It's really great. Breaking down a lot of different albums, songs, and getting deep into it. So I love that. And just thank you for your time and your expertise, Eric. Yeah, I I really appreciate you having me on. And I'm a huge fan of Song Facts. And I really enjoy, I've really enjoyed the, the podcast, you know, and I didn't realize that it was, that it was up and running. And uh, Carl Weiser had told me about it. And Sure enough, man, here, here we are. So, uh, no, it was, it was a pleasure being on and I would, I would just say, uh, fans of Van Halen, just check out the, the Van Halen news desk. If, if you do get a chance, uh, because, Mm -hmm. you know, we're trying to update things as much as we possibly can. And, you know, and, and, and the discovery podcast, you could find it pretty much anywhere at this point. It's, it's, it's all out there. So, um, it's, and it's an honor to be able to, just to write, write about, about my favorite band. And, uh, you know, we hope that, uh, you know, th- we're losing a lot of them. We're losing too many of these guys. And, um, yep. 
you know, we got to keep their memory alive and we got to continue on with it. And, and we hope that, you know, we'll see what, what's the future of uh, rock and roll, you know, that True. remains to be seen. So, uh, Big thank you to Eric. And no matter what you're doing, if you're sitting in your office, if you're sitting in your car, go ahead, throw on some Van Halen, rock out a little bit, and remember the legend that was Eddie Van Halen. And as always, for the stories behind the songs, go to songfacts.com. Thank you so much. <laughs>